0: So for a few years, uh, some of you know this, but for a few years um, between youth pastoring and planting the gathering, I was on the road speaking, like that was my job, my my calling, my career, the whole deal. Like I would go off, and if you've ever don't raise your hand if you've ever um, done that, like you go speak for a love offering. What you find out is you, there's usually a lot of love, a little little offering. But anyway. Um, it was, it was during that time that I had these moments where I would almost apologize to God. I was like, God, I'm kind of sorry that I took that love offering because I would do this for free for the rest of my life. Like, I just knew that all of us have these areas. Have you, have you experienced this yet? These places in your life, these gifts that when you use them, you're just like, this is what? I was made for, and I just knew communicating about Jesus was it for me. I remember this one youth, this one youth rally. It was on the um, eastern, in the eastern part of the of the state. You know, the place where they still haven't figured out how to do barbecue. <laughs> Are you anybody here? Anybody here from the eastern part of the state? I'm sorry, it is good barbecue. I guess if I went there, they would say that we haven't figured it out yet. Anyway, I was down there, and I'm preaching. And, like, you ever, um, teachers in the room, you ever just know, you know when, it's, when you've got the crowd. You know when you've got the classroom. They're, like, they, you've, you've, everything you do works. Like, when that, that night, I remember, I still see it. Like, it was this huge auditorium. It was packed full of teenagers. And every joke hit. Every story Connected. Like, it was one of those dream nights. And the longer I taught, the more excited I got. And I was like, God, I, the altar is going to be amazing. I can't wait to get to that part. And then finally, after the whole message, I gave the invitation. And that's when I heard this. It was brutal, like no response. I took my check. and That night I felt like I should apologize to those people. I got in my car and I started crying on the three-hour trip home. And I still remember the prayer that I prayed. It was really short. And I remember the wording exactly. I said, God, I don't want to be Ineffective. Now, before I tell you how that ended, I tell you that story because I know that there are people in the room, and you've prayed that same prayer. Um, sometimes uh, I can't speak for the whole worship team, but sometimes in the middle of being used by God, we pray, we pray prayers like that. Uh, teachers, I'm just thinking about teachers because that's communication in the room, right? You're halfway through your lesson. And you just, you can feel it. You can feel like, ooh, this is just, maybe it's, is this what I'm really supposed to be doing? Yes, it is. Oh, God, please help me not to be ineffective. There are parents in the room. Last night, you laid in your bed. And you said, in a whisper, God, I don't want to be ineffective as a parent. Driving home. This is, this is an effective microphone. Driving home that night, I heard God give me a scripture reference. I don't know how you hear from God. I can count on one hand how many times I've heard him give me a reference. Usually the way God will draw me to a scripture is he'll remind me of like a story that's in that passage. And I'll Google it, right, and then I'll turn to the reference. But that night, I mean, as sure as I'm standing here, I heard God say, 2 Peter 1.8. I want you to go ahead and turn to that. We're going to be in 2 Peter 1 most of the day. All around it, but most of the morning we'll be in 2 Peter 1.8. I heard him say, turn to that. And I turned to First 2 Peter 1.8. And when I read it, I almost wrecked the car. Possibly because I read it while I was driving the car. I don't recommend that. But, y'all, it came at me so fast that reference, I was like, I have got to see what this verse says. And, and just to make you feel a little bit better, if you're one of those people who's like, I don't have a lot of faith that things like this will happen for me, when I get references, I always assume it's going to be one of those weird Bible references, like one of those weird verses like, if you must use the bathroom, go outside the camp and take a shovel. That's in the Bible, by the way. I'm always worried it's going to be something like that. So I was blown away when I saw the verse that you just saw up on the screen. Let me read it for you. It says this, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, and this is the part that made me almost wreck the car, they will keep you from being, what? Ineffective. <laughs> then I start talking to God. God, that's what I just prayed. Can't you see him up in heaven going, oh, really? Really? Yeah, I know. That's why I told you 2 Peter 1.8. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to pray, and then this morning I, just want, I want to get three points, a big idea, and then I want us to close the service praying for one another. Can you do that with me? Three points, a big idea, and then we're going to pray for each other. But right now, let's just ask God to help us. Lord, over the next few minutes, I pray that you would help me, and this is funny, to not be ineffective. that, That I would clearly communicate what you have put on my heart. And the greatest comfort that we have right now is that your word is never ineffective. Time after time you say in scripture that you sent your word to do things. That you watch over your word to make sure that happens. That it will not return void. So help us as we lean into this passage, God to mine from it these truths that can help to guide our lives. In your name, Jesus, amen. All right, here we go. Point number one, effectiveness comes from the Father's heart. This is really important. God wants you to be effective more than you want to be effective. I have you ever stopped and really thought how God's on your side? Does that change your thinking? It should. He wants you to be effective more than you want to be effective. Um, I'm going to quickly, because I love just to read Scripture. I'm going to read the context of our verse. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 15. Here's what it says. His, and when it says his, who's he talking about? Starts with G, ends with Odd. God, right? So his, God, his divine power has given us everything. How much? Everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires for this very reason. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. And here's our verse. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore... My brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. I don't have time to go into it, but verse 10 wrecks a whole lot of theology on both sides. People were like, well, God chose me. Yeah, he did. So because he chose me, I don't have to do anything. Well, it says make every effort. And people were like, well, I chose God. Yeah, you did. Well, then I need to do everything. He said, well, no, your election can be sure. (laughs) I love it. I just love God. I I can see him inspiring the writers to write verses in such a way that everybody goes, wait a minute, what? (laughs) Just makes us lean into the Father a little bit more, doesn't it? I love that. Verse 11. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them. And are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Now he sounds like a parent with a teenager. Because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure you will always be able to remember these things. A couple highlights from that passage. God's righteousness is what gave us our faith. That's in verse one. I didn't read that. He gives us grace and peace in abundance. Verse two says, This is our Father. He's given everything to us that we need to live godly lives. He's not called you to something that He said, Hey, good luck, work that out, hope, it, hope you figure it out. He's given you everything that you need for it. He gives us not just promises, because every word in the Bible matters, but verse four says that He's given us great and precious promises. Now, I know some of us in the room, we are holding on to promises, aren't we? Have you noticed, like, they become precious if you continue to remember who gave them to you. But if you start to forget that the Father gave you that promise, it's so easy to say, this is taking forever. I'll just go get something else. They're great and they're precious promises. All of this comes from the Father's heart. And verse 5 says, because of all that, he says to add things that will keep us from being ineffective. Uh, For all the Greek scholars in the room, the word for ineffective means idle, lazy, and I thought this was an interesting way to word it, shunning the work which one ought to perform. So it's not like you're not doing anything It's that you're not doing what you know you should be doing. And it can also mean barren. We know this, that from the beginning of the story, I don't mean like, I mean the whole story. All the way back to Genesis chapter 1, right? So from the beginning of the story, y'all, before sin wrecked it, before we all made a bad choice, like I wasn't there, the Bible says we were all there. So if we'd all been there, we'd have made the same choice. Before we messed it all up, this was God's heart. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, he said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. In the car coming home from the youth service, I was telling God, I don't want to be barren. I don't want to be ineffective in our passage in 2 Peter says that if you do these things in increasing measure, you will not be ineffective. You, it will keep you from being barren. You just need to know this. y'all. You know, God's will is not for any of you to be barren in your walk with Jesus. His, his heart has always been more. Therefore, go, increase, multiply, bear fruit. That's his heart. For you and for me. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork. Greek literally means masterpiece. Sit up a little sh- sh- taller, look at the person next to you and say, I am a work of art. <laughs> They're like, I, well, you're a piece of work. That's for sure, right? <laughs> now, you're a masterpiece, y'all. That's what it says. We are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus... To do good works, fruitful works. We've been made to bear fruit. God wants us to be effective. He promises that we can be effective, and he provides what we need to be effective, right? So that's, that's the first point. You just got to get this. Effectiveness comes from the Father's heart. He wants you to be effective, right? So, again, I'm just, parents are on my heart today. Because I've been that dad that laid in bed at night while Wendy was sleeping with just tears going down. You know how it feels when those hot tears go down your the side of your face, and they hit the pillow, and they get in your ear. It's weird, but <laughs> it happens to me. Oh, so God, please help me be a better dad. Please don't make my kids go to counseling. Well, everybody needs to go to counseling. So just let's get that out. Everybody, right? But, like, please don't let what I did today, that mistake I can't forget, please don't let that shape them in such a way that they would miss you or think I don't love them. Like, I know that. And I just need you to understand something. There are people that have a theology of God that think that somehow when we get to that point, he looks at us and goes, good, you finally, got, you finally learned the lesson. He's not trying to teach you a lesson. In that moment, he says, I've got what you need so that you won't feel ineffective. My heart is for you to be effective. My heart is for your marriage to work. My heart is for your family to serve the purpose of God. My heart is for you to find your gifting and your calling and thrive in it. That's the Father's heart. Effectiveness comes from the Father's heart. Here's point number two. Effectiveness comes from the Spirit's power. This is, why, this is why my call to, for people to come to the altar fell flat. Because I forgot that I'm not the source of effectiveness. I was like, I'm killing it up here, y'all. I'm telling that story about my brother, and I'm doing the thing, and like they're loving it. They're eating it up. They think I'm a stand-up comic. This is great. And now we're going to... We're going to close with another story that I have curated because I know how it's going to hit them. And I did all the work. And it was really good. And then when it was time for me to call them to respond to something that only God can do, I hadn't asked God to show up. Effectiveness comes from the Spirit's power. Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Um, If you're married to Jesus, raise your hand. You're a witness, y'all. That's everybody's call. If if we're going to pray, God, please make me effective, that's what we need to ask him. Help me be an effective witness. And he says we will be. Because he's given us his power to be his witnesses. 2 Peter 1.3, we read it earlier. It's God's divine power. That's the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.25, um, this is a great verse. I've, we're going to have it up on the screen for you. It says this, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. So we talk a lot lot about, like, visualizing what you're plugging your life into. And this is saying, like, if we live by the Spirit, let's make sure we're still plugged into the Spirit. We're still connected to that power source. You ever called customer service because something wasn't working? Have you ever wanted to jump through the phone and strangle the agent when they had the nerve to say to you, is it plugged in? I have. And right before I strangled them, theoretically, in my head, I looked behind my desk, and it wasn't plugged in. I just hung up on them. <laughs> plugged it in. Wonder about my day. That's the most common first response from customer service when it comes to electronics. Is it plugged in? We, we all think they're idiots, but they all know we are, right? They know that like sometimes things get, they just get unplugged. And that's the last thing we would check, right? Because I plugged it in three years ago. If I wanted it unplugged, I'd unplug it. But maybe your cat did, maybe your foot did, I, who knows? Maybe your child did, who knows? but somehow it's unplugged, they ask that question because it's the most common problem. Like just check and make sure you're connected. Sometimes it's the last thing that we ask ourselves in the faith. We, you know why Paul's ineffective. He, he just doesn't, he hasn't been to the right training yet. If he would go to the right training, he'd be, he'd be a, an effective communicator. I'd be better for sure. You, you know why I'm, I'm not effective as a follower of Jesus? I haven't been to the right conference yet. Nope. I tell you what, I, I'm not listening to the right playlist yet. I really, I need to trade in Bethel for some more elevation. No, I need, in, I need indie worship. See how we, we start chasing different things? And none of those are bad. None of those things are bad. They're all actually good. But we're not plugged in. The Spirit gives us the power we need in order to be effective. So effectiveness comes from the Father's heart. Effectiveness comes from the Spirit's power. Are you noticing a trend here? Some of you have already filled in number three. It's like it's got to be about Jesus. So here it is. Effectiveness comes from writing a song more than visiting a buffet. Some, one of these things is not like the others, right? <laughs> Keeping in step with the Spirit is the Bible's way of saying trust the process. When, when, when the Bible said, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective, it points back to that list of qualities that we read. Remember reading those in verses 5 and 6 and 7? Peter lays out seven qualities. He says, if you, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure it it's it's hard sometimes like to trust the process if we're comparing where other people are if we're comparing our process to somebody else's progress then it's hard to trust that process it's hard to stay connected if we don't stay connected to the spirit who's leading us to greater effectiveness it's easy for ourselves to get sucked into that comparison game. You've done it, I've done it. And, and so here's what that looks like. If we compare ourselves to other people in the way that they use their gifts, if they did it better, we feel worse. But if they did it worse, we feel better. Like I'm not as bad as I thought I was or I'm way worse than I thought I was. Why? Because I'm comparing myself to somebody else instead of staying in step with the spirit. And trusting that he is leading me where I need to go. So, it's hard to keep in step with the Spirit because we get impatient, because we start comparing. I just noted this. I'm going to say it. It's going to sound really churchy. I'll explain it if you're not from church. We When we get impatient, we birth an Ishmael instead of an Isaac. So scripturally speaking that's Genesis 16 and Genesis 21, God promised Abraham that he would have a son and Abraham was super old. Like think grandpa old and then older than that. And and it wasn't happening. Some of you're like, duh. And so Abraham's wife said, "Well, I've got this maid servant, take her and have a baby with her." And and so he did. It's a great story because then he got in trouble for doing what she said because she got mad at him for doing what she said. It's such a marriage. Anyway, so Ishmael represents our attempt to do what God can do. But then five chapters later, they had Isaac. And Isaac came through Sarah, who was also old. And I don't know if you've got miracle children, right? You, if you have more than one child, you can't ever say, "Well, that's our miracle." <laughs> you're all our miracle children. But when you get alone, you're like, "Yeah, but really, it's that one." But Isaac was their miracle child because they were both so old. There's no way it should have happened. It was only God. And my point here is that when we don't, when, when we try to stay in step with the Spirit, when we get impatient and we try to get ahead of Him, we end up birthing Ishmaels instead of Isaacs. We try to do what God wants us to do when we think it should be done instead of trusting the process. Here's the big idea for today. Keeping in step with the Spirit requires not skipping steps along the way. Keeping in step with the Spirit requires not skipping steps along the way. Which brings us back to our song and our buffet and let me explain that really weird third point. In verse 5, Peter had said, to your faith, add, right? And then he lists these qualities, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. When I read that list, I was like, God, this is going to be like a five-hour sermon because those are amazing qualities that we should do a deep dive in. And then I read a commentary, and the commentary was like, it's interesting that Peter just laid those out there and didn't explain them. Oh, well, y'all deep dive on your own time. There's a good list. But, but the word that got me was add. If you add these things, it's the Greek word that from, from which we get our word, choreography and chorus. It's like creating a symphony, writing a song. You get your, I'm not the songwriter person, but like you get that bass line, and then you, you, might, you might, orchestration, you might add in some like violins, some strings, and then like, maybe you've got that, the keyboard, that's just, and you start to add layers of songs. That's what that word means. But we approach effectiveness like a buffet, I really self control is hard. I just want to show love. And we start picking and choosing the ones that we want. We start skipping a couple steps to get to the ones that look really good to us. It's what I did on that platform that night. I had skipped ahead so I could be the great speaker. It's how people get up on a platform and their character can't sustain them even though they have a ton of charisma. It's why pastors fall left and right to sexual sin because they skip steps along the way in order to get to what they thought was most important. Keeping in step with the Spirit requires not skipping steps along the way. It's one layer on top of the other. Every part matters. Every season matters. The season that you're in right now matters. And if you run ahead of that season, then you've run ahead of the spirit that led you there. We talk about this a lot. And the reason we talk about this topic a lot is because it's so easy to skip steps. Have you done it? We all want to skip steps. We want to preach the message that brings hundreds of people to the Lord, but we don't want to spend any time in His presence in prayer or devotion to get ready for the message that could lead hundreds to the Lord. We want to be anointed by Him publicly without being known by Him privately. Tonight at 6.30, something's happening. What? Oh, I'm eating wings, y'all. There's a, there's a football game tonight, I think, Right? No, it's, it's it's a super football game. I asked Elliot, "You're gonna watch the game?" And he was like, "I'm gonna watch the commercials <laughs> tonight at 6:30. The Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers are gonna kick off on Super Bowl 57. Is that right? Yes. 50. Is it eight? Fifty-eight. We'll edit that part out because I really want to be effective. The game will last three hours and 12 minutes, approximately. Some of you are like, I knew it was rigged. I knew that they know exactly how long that game's going to last. That's the average. If you take all of NFL football games, the average length of a game is three hours and 12 minutes. And if you're the person in your household that doesn't like football, you're thinking to yourself right now, that's it. It feels like it's five hours long, right? (laughs) Three hours and 12 minutes. What you may not know is that of the three hours and 12 minutes, there will be 11 minutes of actual (laughs) gameplay. 11 minutes, y'all. There have been studies done. There will be more time showing replays than real plays. 17 minutes tonight will be devoted to replays. 11 minutes will be devoted to watching real plays. Most of the production will be showing coaches, players, fans, Taylor Swift. I mean, she's there, and we should definitely see who's there, right? Um, That's what most of the broadcast comes down to. The average play lasts four seconds. Some some of you tonight, you're going to watch the Super Bowl. You're going to have your timer out. They're going to break the huddle. So when the quarterback says, Omaha, hut, you're going to hit that butt. You're going to hit it again. I knew Paul was wrong. That play lasted five and a half seconds. (laughs) There are people that do that throughout the games, and they keep track of actual, like not when they're in a huddle, not when there's a timeout. Not when you're going to get another like, bag of chips and salsa, but like when they're actually playing from, from whistle to whistle, from the snap of the ball to the whistle, it's 11 minutes. And yet tonight, one team will have 55 players become world champs based on 11 minutes of play. But is it based on 11 minutes of play? It's because they never skip the steps away from the action that prepared them for the action. This is an interesting fact about tonight. I don't know if you know this or not, but there are 55 players on each side. They won't all play, but of those 110 players, guess how many of them are playing in their very first football game tonight? Zero. We dream about the stage. We dream about effectiveness. We dream about being the rock star mom and dad. And those are good dreams. But sometimes we despise the steps that are necessary to get us to what we dreamed about. And we start to, we don't just despise it, we bypass it. We skip it. It would, be like, it would literally be like sending somebody out tonight when the game is on the line to run the very first play they've ever run in football ever. Now, you're like, that's Brock Purdy, right? <laughs> Sorry, it's not. He's played football too. But can you imagine going out as a wide receiver, games on the line, you've never played football before, and they just say, just run that way. So snap, and you just run. And then the ball's coming. And you're just like, what do I do? And it lands in your arms, in the end zone. Your team wins. You drop it, worst spike in the history of the NFL. Your team picks you up. They're like carrying you around. And you're like, this is awesome. This is fantastic. And you have no idea how you did it. Because you got lucky. We don't use that term. I know that. Fill in whatever Christian word you want to use. Blessed. We got lucky. You had your hand in just the right place. The ball hit. You caught it when you would have dropped it a million other times. It happened to be the most strategic time of the game. You happened to be the MVP of the Super Bowl. You're going to go to Disneyland. And the whole time you're at Disneyland, you're going to start to feel the imposter syndrome sneak up because you know good and well you shouldn't be there because you knew you know you never did all that work it just fell in your lap compare that with the player tonight who really literally might catch the game-winning catch pass who has spent I think it's two to three hours a day. There's a mandate on how long they can actually practice and train in the NFL. So it's like a 40-hour work week. But before they got to the NFL, it was college, and it was high school, and it was middle school, and it was peewee football. Hours upon hours upon hours of practice. And now tonight they actually got to be in, which most players don't actually play in the NFL. Most of them practice a lot, get hit, and go to the trainer and stand on the sideline. They'll still get a ring tonight. There's a lesson there for you, too. It's not all about who's on the stage. But they put in all that work, and then they run the actual route, right? Like they know they're supposed to zig and then zag, and they catch the pass in the corner. And they even know they're supposed to keep their toes in. They spiked the ball because they meant to be there. It was the play that was called, and they knew how to do it. They get picked up on their shoulders. They get the MVP. They go to Disneyland. I'm going to tell you right now, there's not one second that they think to themselves, I shouldn't be here. They know they should be there. They put in the work. They know that they were effective because they put in the work. And that's all God's saying here. My heart is that you would be effective. I want you to be effective so badly that I've empowered you with my spirit so that you can be effective. So stop treating it like it's a buffet and picking what you think looks good and start trusting that I am building a symphony and orchestration in your life that will lead you to the place where you will know this is what I was made for. And for a lot of us, as we close, a lot of us think that's heaven. Well, I prayed a sinner's prayer, I got saved, and now I'm just going to hang out and hope eventually I I get to heaven. Y'all, heaven's not the goal. Jesus is the goal. Relationship with him is the goal. He wants heaven to come here. So clearly heaven can't be the goal if he's asking us to live in such a way that your will be done on earth as is in heaven. This is a big part of the game plan. And if effectiveness is just based on who gets to heaven, then if I've accepted Jesus and I know where I'm going when I die, I'm effective. But the reason that's in the Bible about being effective is because we live here. He wants you to be effective here. He wants you to walk across the street and have a conversation with your neighbor that is effective for the kingdom. He wants you to be effective where you work for the kingdom. He wants me to be effective in how I communicate about the gospel for the kingdom. Not so that we have a humongous church and people think I'm the best pastor ever and they pick me up. Wouldn't that be crazy at some like church growth conference and i like deliver this message and they pick me up and I'm like, yeah! That's not the goal. What did, I, what did I even just do? I don't even know what that is. I can't even dance when I'm trying to dance. What's happening right now? The goal can't be that. The goal is that we would be effective where we are. So, let's close this morning praying for each other. Um, just before we pray, would you just close your eyes? I could ask you this question. I feel like, I feel like I'm back at that youth event. Um, huh, boy, get those crickets ready, Russ. I mean, I could just ask you if you're here and you feel like you've, if you feel like you struggle with being ineffective, could we pray for you? But my guess is all of us from time to time feel that way. My heart this morning is probably much more for the people that are like I was in the car. Like, they don't just feel effective. They don't feel ineffective, but, like, you're really, like, I think I just am ineffective. And I can't see a way for it to ever be better. And, God, it's not even that I'm ineffective at something I don't care about, but for me in the car, I was ineffective at the very thing that I knew I was made for. There are people in the room right now like, Again, I don't know why parenting is on my heart this morning, but, man, there are, there are moms and dads here right now. And so many times they are just like, I know that I was made for this. I was made to, to just love this kid. Why am I in the bed crying and feeling like a failure at the thing I know you made me to do? There are people in this room that feel called by you to ministry. Like, God, how long do I have to wait? I went to to school to learn about ministry with my friends and now they're doing great things and I'm not and what is happening how long God I want to follow the spirit I want to keep in step with him but I'm so tempted to just run ahead God, you don't highlight those emotions because you want to condemn them. You highlight those emotions because you want us to invite you in them. Put your arm on our shoulder and say, I'm right here with you. I'm not surprised by any of it. I need you to trust me. And my heart is for you to be effective. And my power is given so you can be effective. But I need you to not pick and choose. I just need you to trust. So to my church family here in the room, if that kind of describes where you are, I would love to pray over you this morning. I don't want to embarrass you. I do want our family to have the opportunity to be family and if you would be willing to put your hand up and say that's me no one's going to interview you we're just going to pray for you anybody say that's, that's I feel that way I want to be effective I feel like I'm struggling in that area if you're watching online thank you so much if you're watching online you can just say type in the comments yeah that's me thank you so much If you, did, if you put your hand up, would you just keep it up for just one moment? And I'm going to ask if there are people near you, if they could just reach up and just put their hand on your shoulder. And then we have at the front and at the back as well. Sometimes when you see people move to other people to pray for them, you're like, I want to get in on that and put your hand up. You can do that. Sometimes you're like, I'm glad I didn't raise my hand. <laughs> Y'all, this can feel awkward if you've never done church like this. Isn't it good to be seen by God and good to be seen by other people? Yeah. God, we sang that song earlier, Something Has to Break, and we're just praying for our friends right now that in light of who you are, in light of seeing you, like this this great, good Father who has given us everything we need, for godliness. Everything we need, that if we could possess them in increasing quality, we would not be ineffective. You've given us that because your heart is that we would be effective. We pray for the power of the Holy Spirit over our friends right now, that they would sense the Holy Spirit giving life to their bodies, breathing fresh fire and fresh wind over their dreams. You've not forgotten, God. You have not forgotten the calling that you've placed on their life. So, God, I pray that your spirit would empower them when they leave this place to take the next step, just the next one. That they would keep in step with the spirit. And that they would find seasons of effectiveness. When they would walk off of the platform or out of the the boardroom or out of the classroom, out of the secret place, and they would know in their soul, this is what I was made for and it's also what I was prepared for. And their character would keep them in that place. And that your kingdom would receive glory because of it. Yeah. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray.